Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Amen. How many of you know we have a great God who is worthy to be praised? You know, this morning when I was praying, I was just meditating on the fact, and I feel like that there may be some people in the room who are maybe going through an attack that you didn't see coming. And how many of you know that the great God that we serve, who is our Father, is a shield for us. Amen. Our God is a shield for us. He is the glory and the lifter up of our head. When we're under attack, oftentimes our soul gets downcast, and out of that our head can drop low because of what we see. But God is coming, I think, to us today and say, you know what, let me lift up your head and let me have you Look your problem right in the eye and remind your problem that I am a shield for you, that the weapon may be formed, but it will not prosper, that the attack may come, but it will not succeed, because our great God, he is a shield for me. Amen? Why don't you just say that today? Say, my God is a shield for me. My glory and the lifter of my head. Why don't you say this with me? Say, my soul, it'll not be troubled. My heart, it'll not be cast down. My God, he is a shield for me. Amen. How many of you believe that this morning? God's your shield, God's your defender, God is your protector, and he will not let you down. Amen. Amen. Anytime you're feeling just that that, uh, alarm of worry, use it as a reminder to exercise your faith and just say, my God, he is a shield for me. The weapon may be formed, but it will not prosper because my God, he is a shield for me. Amen. Amen. We're so honored to have you worship here at Word of Life. Um, And let me just pray over us real quickly. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your presence and your power. Speak with the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom, guidance, and direction. We thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. Let's turn our attention to the screens. Hey, next week is Easter, and it's hard to believe it's already here, but we're going to have a great time. And I want to just encourage each and every one of you that um, I believe we're going to have a truly state-of-the-art online service Uh, Because we know that there are many for health issues that you cannot come in this season. Uh, So we created an online service just for you so that all around the world uh, you can celebrate Easter with us. Uh, But I also know that many of you know friends and family members uh, who are not staying away because of safety issues, (laughs) but uh, maybe have gotten a little lazy uh, or maybe have uh, drifted in their walk with God. 
And as a pastor, um, I just have a huge heart that in April, uh, God wants to come for people and, and to bring them back uh, to the shepherd and to bring them back into a flock. Um, and maybe this was not their flock. And in fact, I, I think at all times at Easter, we should be not just bringing people to church who typically come to church, uh, but reminding ourselves that there is still a world out there that even before COVID, only I think 36% of Jacksonians and people who lived in the Jackson metro area actually attended a church. Now, I know that that's kind of hard for us to imagine because everyone says they go to church, uh, but compare traffic on a Sunday morning compared to traffic on a Monday morning. Uh, on Monday, everybody's going to work and school. On Sunday, not everyone is coming to church, and there is the difference. Uh, and so I want to encourage you that if you know people in your life who are wounded, who are hurting, maybe even a little hard or bitter, um, that Easter is going to be a time where I feel like the Holy Spirit comes after their hearts um, and captures their attention and their soul and brings them to the shepherd and to a flock. And I am excited about it uh, and want to encourage you uh, who are here to be thinking about, and I mean this, you know, this is not like preacher hype, or like, let's get a visitor. Uh, but like, uh, this is honestly, uh, even me and my wife have been talking strategically about people who we want to make sure uh, tune in or come with us next weekend. Uh, because I, I do feel like it'll be something where God is able to touch uh, a hardened heart and bring life and tenderness back to a soul. Uh, and I would love for you to do the same thing. Be thinking about a handful of people in your life uh, who might need this and might need just a, a touch of the love of God and be progressively thinking about how you can get them to church. Uh, also today, uh, we're going to take communion and celebrate Palm Sunday, which is the victorious entry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, and so we're going to end with worship and communion. But also at the end of the service, we have one of our life groups is set up outside. And when I say outside, I mean outside of the sanctuary uh, that is called Embrace Grace. And we would like as many people as possible to come alongside them and help them. What Embrace Grace is really designed to do, it is for, for pregnant ladies who need a system of support. Uh, we know that in a perfect world, when someone um, is pregnant, that there is a family that comes alongside them that celebrates that child and helps provide for that child and set up a, a system of support for that child. But how many of you know we don't live in a perfect world? Uh, have any of you figured that out yet? Uh, <laughs> that we do not live in a world where everything falls into place perfectly. Uh, and so out of that, we have it on our heart as a church to come alongside um, young women and women who may be pregnant who need a system of support. And when I say that, I mean people who will come and celebrate them uh, through baby showers, uh, other mothers who they can come and contact for parenting advice, uh, that, that maybe they don't have someone that they can go to for those types of questions, that, you know, we have people who they can call and to ask, is this normal? Uh, you know, those types of things uh, that can help them with uh, giving advice on what to do in that season of life that they're in. 
we need um, maybe even businesses or our families who want to come in and financially help provide uh, baby showers for these people as well as cribs and diapers. How many of you know kids are expensive? Have any of you figured that out yet? Uh, uh, and they, they keep getting expensive. My son is now, my oldest son is now 13, and I'm like, what are you eating? Like, where has all of our food gone? Um, and so out of that, um, we want to help uh, with the expense of that, um, that oftentimes people think of, you know, the, the medical expense that comes through, through pregnancy, but the back half of that with, uh, like I said, diapers and wipes and, and clothes that they grew out of in several months and like all of these things, we want to be able to provide a system of support. How many of you know we're a church family? Amen. I said, how many of you know we're a church family? All over the world, we are a church family. We're a tribe of believers, a group of believers. And one of the big benefits of being a part of a big family is a big family can make a big difference. Uh, because if we all collectively pay attention to the same things, $10 given multiple times adds up fast. Uh, but it's each part of us understanding we are part of a family. We are part of a tribe. We are part of a people. You belong here. You don't just attend here. You belong here. Uh, and out of that, when one of us hurt, how many of you know we all do? And when one of us go through something, we all go through something. And I want to build more and more of that into our culture. Uh, and so out of that, this is a good start. Um, and so if you know of a young lady who would like to be a part of that program, or you are a young lady who would like to be a part of that program, you can go and talk to them at the end of service. Uh, but if you would like to be a part of that program in providing assistance financially or through with the gift of time and wisdom and all of those things, you can go out there and tell them you'd like to be a part of that as well. Amen, 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 amen. Open up your Bibles with me if you brought them to the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to look here at chapter 11. Um, Palm Sunday is the beginning of Holy Week, where we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what Palm Sunday was is where they recognized the entrance of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, he rode on a donkey, not a horse. Uh, the horse was a, a show of force, a show of power. The donkey was an animal of peace. And he rides on this donkey victoriously as the prince of peace, as a victorious king who is going to conquer death, hell, and the grave. And the community decided to celebrate the entry of Jesus. And this is what I want us to do today when we take communion, is I want us to celebrate the entrance of Jesus, not just into our lives, but also into our issues. How many of you know Jesus wants to enter your issue and bring peace? Uh, that he wants to come and have nothing missing and nothing broken in your life. That that's what that word peace means is shalom, which just simply means nothing missing from you and nothing broken on you because the prince of peace has come into your life. How many of you are thankful for the prince of peace this morning, a God 
who wants to come and bring peace. And so this is what we're going to do in communion. And I, I feel about uh, going about this in a, a very interesting way that only, only the Holy Spirit could show us. Uh, and so let's just open up the word together and believe that God will tell us exactly what we need to see. Here, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and let's start reading here in verse number 23. For I've received of the Lord, this is Paul writing, uh, to the church at Corinth, which he helped start. I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, uh, you can underline that, that's important, the same night in which he was betrayed. So he knew he was about to be betrayed, but that same night he did something anyway. Took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Now, this is an important part of communion. You don't just eat the bread, you break the bread. It's important. Uh, he broke it and said, take and eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Not his bones, his body. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, this do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28. But let a man examine himself. Let a man examine himself. Let a person examine themselves, and so let them eat of that bread and drink of that cup. I want to major at the start of this with verse number 28. But let a person examine themselves. The unexamined life is a dangerous life. Any life that is being unexamined is a dangerous life. Now, we know that if you're doing life God's way, you invite another set of eyes on you. Now, pride does not want to do this. A pride, which is of the devil and always brings a fall, does not want anyone else looking at a marriage and seeing how it can be made better. A pride does not want a wife coming to a husband and saying, I think we could grow in this. It will resist it. It will um, sometimes rebuke it. It'll fight with it. Uh, but an unexamined life is a dangerous life. So anyone who is wise comes and wants to say, hey, would you look at my finances? Hey, would you look at my marriage? Hey, would you look at this friendship? Hey, would you look at this person I'm dating? Hey, would you come in and give me another set of eyes? And how many of you know, and I know sometimes because I was a kid once, how many of you were a kid once? That should be every hand in the room. How many of you were a kid once, right? Like you were a kid once, I was a kid once, and for those of you who may be teenagers in here or children, we know that sometimes when we have parents in our lives, we can resist another set of eyes. But the Bible is, is very instructive, and you'll see how wise this is as you get older, that we should not be wise in our own eyes, that there is safety within the context of a multiple set of eyes. But this scripture is even going beyond that. 
and it's saying that most people don't even examine their own life. That they're not taking the time to reflect. They're not taking the time to understand the state of their soul. They are not examining their lives. And communion is to be a time where I examine myself. That before I take of this bread and before I drink of this juice, in fact, he's writing this as a source of correction because he already taught him communion. Uh, and the reason why he taught him communion was the Lord Jesus appeared to him in a vision and taught him communion. Paul was not one of the original disciples who wrote the book of Corinth, uh, or to the book of Corinthians to the, the church at Corinth. And so the Lord Jesus personally appeared to Paul in a vision, showed him what happened that night so that he could teach the body of Christ how important this is. And the church at Corinth was just eating the bread. It didn't mean anything. And they were just drinking the juice. It didn't mean anything. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, we need to pull back from this because it's designed by the Lord Jesus to not just mean something, it's designed by the Lord Jesus to mean a lot. And he said, before you eat this bread and before you drink this juice, one of the things that you're supposed to do with communion, not the only thing, but one of the things that we're supposed to do is to examine ourselves. Have you ever examined someone else even without their permission? You ever done this before? You ever done this to a celebrity? Uh, you ever done this to a preacher? Uh, you ever done this to somebody you saw on social media and just examined them and thought, whew, they shouldn't be doing that? Uh, I, was, I was going through um, uh, some social media last night. Uh, and I came across a pastor who was listening to uh, music, and it was playing in the video. And all the comments of the people who were examining his life, uh, telling him uh, uh, a, a flaw that they saw in his life uh, and uh, an issue that they had with his choice of music and the lyrics within that. Because we're real good a lot of times at examining uh, the lives of others uh, that we come in and we can clearly see. They should not be dating them. Are, are they really, really need to pay more attention to their health? Or, or wow, they're really coming over into a place where they are lowering their guard and they're not watching their friendships and they should really get in church or whatever it may be. We're really good at examining the lives of other people and we can forecast the problem they will have in the future because of something we see in their life. Now, you can do this even in Scripture. In fact, I, I love Scripture because Scripture actually reveals the stories of imperfect people. How many of you know that's all of us? Each and every one of us have imperfections, and Scripture does not exalt people into these places of perfection and put them on pedestals as if they can't fail. And so we can clearly see, like when David is looking at Bathsheba and he's in this place of loss, like we can clearly see this is not going to end well. Like all of that, us can clearly see this in David's life. Even David's servant was coming and telling David, this is not going to end well. But David doesn't slow down enough to examine that in his own life. 
And the end therein brought a whole lot of pain. Uh, we can clearly see, like in Judas's life, right? Uh, like he, he's here and he's watching this, this woman like dump all of this oil upon Jesus and he's thinking what a waste this is. But of course, he's really not thinking about the waste. He's thinking about all the money he could have made from selling the oil and then taking some of it for himself because he's a thief. And like all of us can look at that and be like, Judas, man, what are you doing? This is bad, but it goes on check because it goes unexamined. So we can examine Judas's life and we can clearly see in Judas's life he is on a path that is leading to some destruction. It is not going to go well for him because he's got an issue in his life that he is choosing to not look at. And we can kind of see the end. This is not going to go well. And sure enough, it doesn't because it never went seen by Judas. Even when he's looking at Judas or Jesus and asking Jesus, am I the one who's going to betray you? Jesus is like, whomever I dip my bread in their cup will be the person. And he's looking at Judas in the eye as he's dipping the bread. Judas still did not see. It's amazing how what you look for you see and what you're not looking for you miss. Let a man examine himself. We can clearly see in in Abraham's life, this is not smart, you sleeping with Hagar. Like nothing about this is going to go well. Like we can clearly see the issue and sure enough, it brings a lot of pain. We can come in these moments and we can see with Samson, like, Samson, you've got so much talent and ability. Samson, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are so gifted. But you've got this issue in your life where you're just out of control. There is no boundary. There is no border. And and you see it leads him in the lap of of a lady who has evil intentions for him. And you can clearly see the trap all around him, and he is toying toying with his life. It is going unexamined. It is going at a place where he literally says when his power leaves him that he fully expected to just be able to shake himself and come back over into a place of power. But because his life went unexamined, it began to unravel. I read a story uh, a couple of days ago. It's an old children's story. Uh, and I can remember hearing it uh, uh, being told even to, to my children, but it's a, a short book about a dragon uh, by the author James Kent. And I'll spare you all the details, and I thought about just showing you the images of the book. But anyway, I'll just sum it up by this. A little boy wakes up in the morning, and when he wakes up, he sees a dragon on the the bedpost of his bed looking at him, and the dragon is about the size of a kitten. So, you know, just a small, little, cute dragon. He's like, there's a dragon! You know, he immediately kind of panics. There's a dragon! And so he runs downstairs to go tell his mom, and he he comes and he finds his mom, and when he finds his mom, he, he says, there's a dragon in my room! And she says, dragons don't exist. There is no such thing as a dragon. And so he makes up his mind that maybe it is imaginary, and maybe he can't see it. 
So he grabs the dragon and he takes it down there for breakfast and the dragon's sitting on the breakfast table and the mom is over there with batter making pancakes and she's making pancakes one by one and she's slinging the the pancakes over on her son's plate and the dragon is right there eating all the pancakes. The kid can't even get a pancake in because the dragon just keeps eating the pancakes. And the mom is like, man, you must be hungry today. And the dragon is looking right at her, but she's choosing not to look at the dragon. And she's looking at her son thinking, my gosh, we're running out of batter, making all of these pancakes. And she finally makes one, and it's the end of the batter, and he's able to eat that one. And so he grabs the stuff and goes upstairs, but the dragon is eating eaten so much in the home by this point that the dragon is actually the size of the mom. And the dragon all day is just eating and eating and eating and the husband goes off to work and they're, they're walking through the hall, stepping over the dragon and struggling to shut doors because the dragon's legs are kind of, uh, you know, kicked through the door and, uh, you know, it's not disrupting much, uh, but it's enough to know, like, there's clearly a dragon. Uh, but no one is choosing to acknowledge it besides the little boy who is living in the home. And so out of this, the dragon gets bigger and bigger, and the husband goes off to work, and uh, the dragon at this point is as big as the house, and he smells a bread truck that is driving by the street, and, and he gets up to go after the bread truck, because the, the dragon, he is always hungry for more. And he goes after the bread truck, and when he does, he picks up the whole house. The whole house is on the back of the dragon, and it's running down the street, you know, with the house on its back, going after this bread truck, and the the husband comes home for lunch, and he sees like an empty lot, and he's like, where is the house? And so the neighbor runs out and tells him what happens, that a dragon has carried away your house. And so he follows, you know, the crumbs of of bread and comes up behind the, the the house and he sees in the window like his wife waving to him from out the window like the dragon is clearly like you know moving the whole house but the mom still can't see it and the dad gets out of the car runs up the dragon gets in the house grabs his family's holding them close and the mom is still wondering like what is going on here and the, the dad tells her, like, the whole house is moved. And she's like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, the dragon moved the whole house. And when she finally looks down and sees the dragon that was always there, you know what happens? The dragon begins to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until it's about the size of a kitten. And when it gets back to this size, she says this, maybe there is a dragon. And then she looked at her son and said, why do you think he got so big? The little boy says this, maybe it just needed to be noticed. Here's the question I have for you today. What needs to be noticed? Because there is a dragon. There is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
And I've got news for every person who's watching this online and for every person in this room. There is a dragon in your life. You don't get to pick and choose whether or not it's there. It comes for every single one of us. And it always wants more. Now, so oftentimes, we don't want to see that dragon. We don't want to acknowledge it. We don't want to genuinely look at the fact like, I, am, I have been unhappy for a very long time. We don't want to uh, uh, notice it. We don't want to address it. We don't want to deal with it. We just want to keep functioning in that dysfunctional state and the dragon gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and everyone else is noticing it and everyone else is commenting about it and the kids can see it and everyone else can see it but it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, I, I can remember a number of years ago, um, I had a minister come in and do a, a secret shopping kind of thing for our church where he would come in and look at how we do church and tell us maybe some things that we were missing because once again, I believe strongly in the principle of don't be wise in your own eyes. An unexamined life, an unexamined church, unexamined financials, there's potential danger there. So bring in audits, bring in people who come in and will evaluate. Uh, and so out of this, uh, we came in and, and brought in this, this consultant and this pastor was a church, uh, uh, was a pastor of a church of about 20,000 people, uh, but had since stepped away from ministry and kind of started a church consultant business. And the reason why is because of a dragon. Life for all of us, it's not just pastors, it's for everyone in this room. I don't care what your occupation is and what you, you choose not to do. Uh, there is this combination of stress and boredom, and both are really bad. Uh, when you get too stressed, it leads to sin, and when you get too bored, it leads to sin. And it's amazing how oftentimes they will, will run together. And out of this, um, he was feeling tremendous amounts of stress in his life and felt like that there was no one he could open up to that about. And so the stress is getting bigger and bigger. The dragon is getting bigger and bigger because if you don't notice it and begin to not to feed it, it begins to grow. And out of this, uh, one night he came home and got in a recliner. Uh, but before he, he did so, he made the decision to stop at the gas station and get a beer. And out of this, he, he sat down with it and had a beer. And a couple of weeks later, it turned into more and turned into more and turned into more and turned into more and turned into more. And his, his wife is seeing it. His daughter is seeing it. Different friends are seeing it. And everyone can see like there is an issue here. My father passed away when he was 44. He passed away of a heart attack. Before he passed away, he could feel something was wrong in his body, but he blamed the mattress. It's the mattress. And there was a dragon in his life 
uh, that was bringing him into a place where he was not taking care of his physical body, and he knew that. For years, he would have glimpses of conviction where the Holy Spirit would lean upon his heart in times of worship, in times of sensitivity. There was conviction that was there, but so often when conviction comes, we don't lean into it. We don't pay attention to the tension. We make excuses for it. We choose not to notice it. We choose not to see it, and the dragon gets bigger. So now it's not... I'm living unhealthy, it's the mattress. And the dragon ran off with a life. Now, I always choose to be incredibly vulnerable on this platform, and sometimes I've wondered if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing. I, I also strongly believe in being led by the Holy Spirit of God in everything that I do, and sometimes that leads me over into a place where I am more vulnerable than I would ever choose to be. But at the end of the day, I do it for your safety because my goal is never to be popular. My goal is not to be famous. My goal is not to be recognized or liked. My goal is to keep you safe, connected to your shepherd and connected to a flock. Safe is undervalued with pastors. And I just really had it big in my heart for us to ask ourselves the question, what needs to be noticed? Is it in my family, perhaps, I need to pay more attention to the children? And if I don't, there's a dragon there that will run off with a relationship. Is it perhaps in marriage, uh, I have allowed life to get so busy and hectic that I have a partner who is feeling unnoticed, unseen. To be seen is a powerful human emotion. Most of the time, we live in a world that moves so fast, we don't want to see anybody. So we hide, and we hide now behind literal masks. Before, it was just figurative. But we don't want to be seen. To be seen is powerful, and a, a spouse craves to be seen. Is there something in my heart that I, I need to change or adjust there? Maybe financially, I have been treading upon really dangerous water, and I have not been checking this, and I have not been watching this, and I've kept making excuses as to how I can get in this situation and how I can get out of it, but there is a dragon that is growing that if I don't pay attention to it, if I don't lean into that conviction and allow the Lord Jesus to come and bring grace for this area, that there will be ramification. I wanna invite the, the worship team to, to come out on stage and we'll end with worship. But somebody says, what do I do in this situation where I know there is a dragon, but for whatever reason, I keep feeding it? I know there is a change I need to make, but for whatever reason, I keep feeding it. I, I know that there is something in my life I need to adjust and I need to pay attention to, but I keep feeding it, and I keep feeding it. And it's turning into an issue that other people can see, but I keep feeding it. What do I do when I know to not feed the dragon, but I keep entertaining this thing that I know is bad for me?
Jesus says with communion, don't just examine yourself, but would you please do something else? Would you consider me? The triumphant entry of Jesus. I don't want you just in communion to examine you. I want you to consider me. That in the same night in which I was betrayed, one of the things that struck me as I was preparing for Easter was the amount Jesus was betrayed. In fact, you see the word betrayed mentioned far more than beaten, punished, or crucified. It almost gets to the point where it seems like the greatest hurt the master had suffered was not the nails that went through his hands, but the betrayal that went through his heart. Betrayal is, is awful. Betrayal is to be loved and then rejected. It's one thing to be rejected. If you're rejected by someone who's never loved you, the pain, it hurts, but it's not as deep. But you get loved by someone. You get known intimately by someone. You share life with someone. You fellowship with someone. You eat with someone. You laugh with someone. And they wind up turning on you leaving you, gossiping about you, forsaking you, betrayal. And while we see the betrayal of Judas, and oftentimes we see the betrayal of Peter, what we also know in our own heart is we, like sheep, have gone astray even in this area. And the very thing that I know not to do that could grieve the master is the very thing that I find myself doing. And I find myself betraying not just the love that I have for him, but I find myself betraying even the love that I have for myself, where I wind up with this broken life that even I don't enjoy and I don't like. And the Lord says, I don't need you to examine yourself and feel condemnation for this sin. I need you to examine yourself and understand that in the same night that I was betrayed, knowing the betrayers were in the room, knowing the betrayers were around my table, knowing that the betrayers were right there in front of me, I took bread and I broke it. And I said, this is my body, which is broken for you and you and you. And this is my blood that was poured out with a new covenant that was poured out for you. And when you do this, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And somebody says, what does this all mean? You have a God of mercy who will come with the blood and wash away every mistake you've ever made, no matter how great that mistake may be, that I can lean into conviction because I trust there is no condemnation. That conviction does not say you're a terrible person. Conviction just says there is danger ahead and I need to turn. But in turning, I'm not turning out of fear of a God. I am turning out of a danger of a dragon. And I understand that this conviction needs to be leaned into and it needs to be trusted because I have a God who is willing to wash that transgression away. But there is not just mercy in Jesus. There is not just blood that washes sin away. God knew that in your life there would be things that would try to break your body. God knew in your life that there would be things that would try to break your heart. God knew in your life there would be things that would try to break your finances, break your vision, break your self-esteem, break your confidence. God knew in your life there would be things that would try to break your health and break your relationships and break your marriages and break your relationships with your children. And God said, when you take communion... 
I want you to understand that instead of you having to be broken, even if you betray me and yourself, that in the same night I was betrayed, I had my body broken so that your life would never have to be. And if you will celebrate my entrance into your life, you will see that what you are breaking, God can come in and say, what is breaking you, I can break it. If you will surrender your life to my grace and surrender yourself to my mighty hand. That you need to examine you, but in examining you, you must remember me that I am greater than your mistake, but I am also greater than the stronghold that has tried to come on your life and not by might nor by power, but by the spirit of a living God. I can break alcoholism. I can break lust. I can break a hardened heart. I can break anything in your life if you will just surrender it to me. Examine you, Jesus said. But consider me. And today what I want in communion is for us to just sing and worship. And while we're singing with your communion elements, I want you to take of this, this, the the elements, the bread and the, the wafer. And I want you to remind yourself that Maybe in your life when you get to the bread that there is something in your life that is trying to break you. And I have this big in my heart. Uh, The dragon comes for everyone. This is not for just one person. And if you're at home, feel free, get some wheat thins and orange juice. It's not the elements. It's the heart behind the elements. So even if you're at home, which I know thousands of you are, that, that out of this, uh, take of, of something yourself. And, and when you come and we begin to worship, I want you to look at that wafer and before you break it, I want you to examine yourself and saying, is there anything in my life that could be breaking me? Is there anything in my life that I need to change? Is there anything in my life that I need to examine? Is there anything in my life that I I need to look at? Is there anything in my life that's going unnoticed? Is there something in my life that everyone else can see but I can't see? And maybe it is financial or whatever it is, but you remind yourself in that moment, I'm not going to let this break me any longer. I'm not going to let this break me. I'm not going to let it run off with my home. And I'm not going to let it run off with my finances. I'm not going to let it run off with my health. I'm not going to let it run off with any of these things any longer. I'm confronting this, not just for me, but for the generations that come after me. I'm going to confront this. And the way that I'm going to confront it is not just by noticing it. The way I'm going to confront it is this wafer is about to break. But when this wafer breaks, it is not going to be me that is breaking. I'm reminding myself that there is grace at the throne of Jesus to break whatever has been trying to break me. And I'm going to stand in faith when I break that wafer, that the very thing that was trying to break my life is the very thing God is going to break off of me. And to invite the triumphant entry of Jesus into that issue of your life. When you take that, I want you to taste the dryness of the wafer. We made it not taste good on purpose. It wasn't because we're cheap. It's not supposed to taste good. It's supposed to be dry. It's supposed to take the moisture out of your mouth. 
because the, the, the communion elements don't end with the bread, it ends with the juice. And right after you take that bread and you put it in your mouth, I want you to remind yourself that the past is over, the dry season is over, this, this season of pain and breaking is over, that the blood of Jesus is coming in and it's about to make everything sweet, it's about to restore the beauty of all things, it's going to bring life and flavor back unto me. That you welcome the entry of forgiveness and that you forgive yourself. And that you have a moment of returning unto the Lord. Let's do this when we worship. Every head bowed real quick, every eye closed. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today and we thank you that we surrender ourselves to you. And we thank you, Father, by the power of your spirit that we receive the anointing of Jesus. Father, I thank you that right now your anointing just fills this room as we worship. And Father, I thank you that anyone who needs to surrender any area of their life to you, that today they surrender it. That they make a decision by your mighty hand to no longer allow this thing to break them, but they make a decision to invite the Prince of Peace into that area of their life have a stand of faith that you will help them break that thing whatever that thing may be and father we thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes us and cleanses us and makes us whiter than snow and today father each and every one of us we receive that mercy we receive that forgiveness we receive that healing we receive that life and father we thank you in Jesus name that that blood washes us, strengthens us, and makes us whole. We love you, Lord, so much. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, let's worship the Lord.